With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast contains explicit language. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. Welcome to a very special live Mom and Dad are Fighting here at Slate.com. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm an editor at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family. And I'm the dad of Lyra, who is 15, and Harper, who's 13. They're currently upstairs in our house in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I am a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, uh, host of Slate's absolute bestest, uh, most terrible show in the world, The Kids Are Asleep, and mom to Naima, who is seven, and we reside in Los Angeles, California. She's in the other room, but she's mad at me, so she might not come out out of spite because I told her that it would be cute if she did. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's eight, Oliver, who's six, Teddy, who's four. They are theoretically in bed, hopefully asleep. I don't know. Jeff's taking care of it, so we'll see. Um, We live in Navarre, Florida, and for once, there is not a single hurricane headed our way. Truly amazing. Uh, (laughs) A real real October miracle. Uh, So we're very excited to be doing this live show. live show. I know. That's that's, (laughs) A nice thing that the Atlantic storm systems did for this live show. We're very happy to be doing this live show for you. Happy that all of you can see our faces. Happy that we can answer your questions live and on the air. And that's what we need from you in this live show. We need questions to answer. And even better than that, if you send in a question, if you post it in our in the uh, chat in this very here live cast, we have the wonderful, fabulous, incomparable, the one and only Shasha Leonard with us to read those questions. Say hi, Shasha. Hi, how's it going? Uh, who's that on your shoulder there? Uh, this is my own son, Gus, <laughs> my parrotlet. <laughs> yeah, and apparently I read questions for this podcast thanks to uh, popular demand. Yes, yeah, so we're very excited to have a real live celebrity on the show tonight. It was, I mean, it was one thing to have Abby Wambach. She's fine, but we got fucking Shasha Leonard. So we really want your questions and you really want to hear them read and Chasha's dulcet tones. We're going to start the show off while we're waiting for your questions with, as always, some triumphs and fails. Jamila, you are the one who has the most experience with Slate Live thanks to your incredible weekly show. So you want to go first with a triumph or a fail? Sure. I think I'm also the reigning fail queen. So I shan't disappoint this week. I have a fail. I think I have raised a child who is too socially aware for her own good. I didn't think that was possible, but I do believe that we are now the parody uh, that Fox News describes, and this is the future that liberals want for your children. So I was teasing my daughter about something, uh, Naima, who's seven, the other day. I can't remember what it was. I went to write it down, but I was driving. Something pretty innocuous. And she said... Well, I can't tell if you're joking or if you're telling the truth and words have power. It was some like straight up playful ass ribbing. Like I was just kidding with her. Like we were having fun, I thought. And just in the middle of it, she says, 
I'm not sure if you're telling the truth or not because words have power. And so now I'm afraid to make jokes with my kids. Like cancel culture has arrived at my house. I wasn't prepared for it. Oh, I want to mention this while we're here. I posted this on Facebook. Not Facebook, I don't go in there. On um, Instagram and Twitter, I got my first ever email from Naima. I'm going to call this a double fail because my first email from my child, my beautiful child to whom I gave life, the subject was, can I have this toy? And the body of the email was a link to a toy that she wants on Amazon.com. There was nothing else. No, Hi, mommy. No, I love you, mommy. Is there a little, you know, just, just no niceties, no pleasantries whatsoever. Just can I have this toy and a link to the toy? No debate, no argument on behalf of her having the toy. Just the expectation that it should arrive at her house. And yet I can't even tell her a joke. Did you reply no. to her email? No. No, she sent it yesterday. I do her like I do everybody else. She just got to wait till I feel like it's <laughs> Seems like what she understands what email should mean to her generation, right? It's like, you know, Alia's mom talks to us a lot about how she hates emailing because she just can't be casual about it. She like can't do an email unless it includes like, dear whoever, and then three paragraphs <laughs> right. that includes one paragraph of like, how are you? The weather's great. And then love Maggie. Whereas we're comfortable just being like, hey, Maggie, please look at this and let us know what you think. But then kids, right? Kids should theoretically be using email like texting or just yelling at a friend. There should be nothing other than the most important part of the message, which is buy me this thing. That's pretty much what it was. At least she started with a, can you buy me this toy? And I honestly think it wasn't, will you buy me this toy? It was, can you, right? Like, do you have the money for this? Because if you do, then surely there's no reason that I shan't have it. And I can expect to see it in two to three prime days. That's my child. That's what I've raised. Kids measure time in prime days now. Those are good. Two good fails. Um, However, I really think that Jamila or that Naima's really already basically a master of uh, of email for her generation. She's got it nailed down. Elizabeth, what about you? Triumph or fail? Uh, I have a triumph. We spent the weekend in a tree house in the, you know, Mecca of Hope Hall, Alabama. And the tree house was like in the middle of nowhere, just like this field in Alabama. And there was a pond and grass. And normally I am like a meticulous itinerary maker and planner. Of course, there's not much to plan in Hope Hall. So I did nothing. I just like grabbed some toys from the house, brought them with us. We went to this tree house. It was like the best trip. Like the kids just ran around on this field. We sat up in the tree house. We went fishing. We, you know, good news. There were no snakes, but there were plenty of bugs for the kids to find all that kind of stuff. But it was, I think a success because it's like, nice that our family is sort of enough sometimes like we don't need all this stuff nobody got sick of each other everybody had a great time so the change of scenery was like a perfect refresh we didn't go anywhere fancy or do anything big we literally just like found this (laughs) tree house i mean it's like an alabama tree house it was nothing fancy um and we just had a great time and the kids ran around perfect could you explain to those of us who don't understand why you would live in a tree house what was in the treehouse? Were there toilets in the treehouse? Oh yeah, yeah. Is so I would compare it like to glamping. Like it had oh, a toilet okay. and a shower. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, the treehouse had like right. a loft, but it was built up in the tree. Now I will say the first night I did wake Jeff up in the middle of the night because I thought there was like a squirrel or something running across the floor. <laughs> But upon reflection and waking everyone else up, I think it was light coming through. There was a like a beveled glass door in this treehouse. I 
think maybe light from the twinkle lights outside was coming through, but I was convinced it was coming to get us all. Um, no kitchen or anything. The chandelier in the treehouse. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, chandelier yeah, in the treehouse. Exactly. The 27 <laughs> diamond chandelier in this treehouse. Yeah. So it was like, I mean, it's like glamping. It's not like uh, the backyard treehouse, but it was still um, just the idea of it being up in the tree, right, is enough for the kids to have bought in. I mean, you clearly bought in too because you were convinced that squirrels were. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's a cabin in a tree. There are going mm-hmm. to be animals there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the ladder situation? Is it like a wrong ladder? Like, are you like climbing up? No, or no, is it like an escalator. to take our things up. And no, it was like regular stairs um, and it, like hammocks okay. hanging underneath. And I wasn't sure what the situation was going to be. So I made each child pack their own in a small bag because I thought I'm not hauling some huge bag. <laughs> Up, you know, a ladder or something. So, um, yes, they we carried them up the stairs, and then inside the treehouse, there's ladders to the because the bunks are all like up in the rafters and attached to the side of the walls. Like, yeah, very nice. Sounds like I'm a trying so college. hard to picture this, and I'm just coming up with Alvin and the Chipmunks for some reason, and I don't know why. You like, can go. There's, go, there's photos on Instagram. There's Did photos on Instagram. Treehouse or something. <laughs> I mean, is my assumption is they would feel naturally at home in a treehouse, Alvin and the Chipmunks. But I'm definitely getting Keebler yeah. Elves vibes off this myself. <laughs> All right. So I have a fail this week. And it's a long running fail. One that I maybe even mentioned a year or two ago when it was in its nascent stages. Back when Rebecca and her son were dealing with um, driver's licensing woes. The fail is that I now have a 15 and a half year old, which is the age at which okay. you can start like driving. You can start taking driver's ed. You can, in Virginia at 15 and a half, you can get your learner's permit. You can start practice driving with your parents and start working your way towards a full driver's license. And uh, my fail is that I have a kid who just absolutely 100% refuses to even consider wanting to drive for any reason. Lyra is convinced that the instant she got behind the wheel of any vehicle of any kind, she would, I don't know, like drive it into a tree and burst into flames or drive off a cliff like Thelma and Louise or be sucked up by aliens and explode. I don't know. She's just, she has gotten it in her head that the only possible result of her being behind the wheel of a car is death and destruction. Uh, And so she's just like, no, fuck no, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I have zero interest in driving. I don't want to do this thing and you can't make me. And whereas Ali and I have our childhood experiences to fall back on. And we were both very eager drivers. We both were like, you know, I, as soon as I can get a learner's permit, I'm getting it. I'm studying for that test. Ali and I both went for our driver's test on our 16th birthdays. Me, even though that was December 27th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So there was like three feet of snow on the ground. And I was just like maneuvering between snowbanks, but I didn't care. I was getting that license. And so we just can't relate at all to this kid who is determined that she has zero interest in, in being able to drive or get around town. And we've, you know, we've tried like all the different techniques of like trying to get her into it, including the classic, like, that's fine. But you know, once you're 16, if there's some place you need to get, that's on you. We can't keep driving you everywhere. But she like just instantly <laughs> defanged that. She was like, okay, that's cool. I just won't go anywhere. 
like, that's not. You know, I want to be mad at this, and I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> I, I kind of, you know, as somebody who tried to convince her child that she was allergic to bicycles so that she would never ride one, so that she would never get hit by a car on a bike, the idea of my teenager not ever wanting to drive doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. Also, maybe Lyra died in a car accident in the past life, and you might want to just give her some space around this and just take her where she needs to go. She ain't got nowhere to go. My sense is that Lyra in a past life was like an Amazon warrior, and they don't have access to cars. <laughs> I'm not sure you can make someone drive, though, or learn to drive. So, well, of course we can't. Like, That's the fucking so fail. You don't, yeah, but you don't have a That's lot of options. Point. So I think she just has to live out the 16-year-old thing. And may, but maybe she gets friends who drive her around. Like I feel like this is her problem. <laughs> no, Ooh, I know it feels like you know a fail, but also just like it's not your problem. But it, it's going to be. I just our thought problem. about you know what I just thought about me at sixteen. I probably shouldn't scare you with this, but like me at sixteen, it wasn't that I didn't want to drive. My parent, like my mother, doesn't drive. She doesn't know how to drive, and so there was no car in the household. My father drove and taught me how to drive, but I didn't have like access to a car. Like I couldn't take my friends anywhere. Like. I was a designated drinker. So <laughs> think about now my daughter's going to be the designated drinker in her group of friends because she didn't even bother to learn how to drive. I mean, but the, the flip I side mean, of this is maybe she would be a terrible driver. Like that would be worse. Like what if she was a terrible driver, but wanted to drive all the time? Well, then she should learn to become a better driver through the <laughs> yeah, many training options offered to her by the state of Virginia. Do they have driver video games? Is there a way she can like do this at home where it's a little bit less high stakes? Like, do they still make the Nintendo Wii's? Yeah, well, we have Mario Kart. <laughs> like the problem is that that game is really dependent on running into other people, throwing bombs at them. If you drive off a cliff, there's no harm. So I don't know that that is like the driver's head that she needs. And also, I do actually Maybe think that the experience the of playing Mario Kart with us has led her to believe that that's what driving is. And I guess if you think of it that way, that is pretty intimidating. Like at any moment, yeah. like a turtle could throw a bomb at you uh, while you're speeding around a corner and that's it. You, you're blown up. It actually happens in LA. That's <laughs> I would not be shocked if someone threw a turtle at my car. Every day, like, thousands of Los Angeles drivers are injured by flying turtles. All right, that's my fail. You're right that in the end, it's her problem, except for it's her problem that's my problem because I don't recognize a he like a child of mine who does not want to drive, even though I know cars are bad for the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is a rite of passage, and I've been basically fine with Lyra not caring about any of the other rites of passages, but. This one really <laughs> bugged me and I can't get over it. And I know I'm just going to just be a pain in her ass forever and drive her crazy and we will drive each other crazy. And that's why it's a good fail because it's your fail. Oh, yeah, it's my fail. fail. Uh, to be fair, it's also we'll Ollie's drive fail. each other right. crazy and you will drive her. That's right. My, Dad, I got to get to crazy. Can you drive me there? All right. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We uh, have some audience questions from you, our beloved listeners and viewers. And we have the great Shasha here to read them. The first question is from, I don't know. Shasha, tell us. The first question is from Chris, and he asks, what advice can I offer my son, 20, who has a potential girlfriend at work who keeps wavering between hot and cold? Great question. A, a sort of adult child question. Who wants to take this one? Jamila. Tell your son you better leave that girl alone and keep your job. She's wavering <laughs> on hot and cold. Doesn't sound like a potential girlfriend to me. It sounds like a potential termination. He's only 20. Dating someone you work with is complicated when you've been working a long time and you're used to having social interactions with your colleagues. I'd imagine a 20-year-old at the very, at the most has been in the workforce for three or four years. If she's not clear that she's interested in him, I would move on, be friends, tell him to be polite, be kind to her. And if she is interested in pursuing him romantically, she can do that. I agree completely. <laughs> Uh, I'm just curious what, and maybe the, I mean, this is a great opportunity we have in this live show. We don't usually have this in the regular show, but if the question asker maybe follow up, what is this job? So it's one thing if you're working in an <laughs> office or if you have a supervisory position, but if you're like a lifeguard, the whole purpose of being a lifeguard is to make out with your coworkers. Like that's basically your job. And so I kind of, there's no like big watch this summer though. That's true. That's true. And she said, like, girlfriend, we're not like, if they want to go make out or something, fine. But they're talking, I thought the question was more like about getting into a relationship with this person. Uh, well, I mean, at 20, that's just never a good idea at all. So I guess, yeah, I guess I agree with you guys. Uh, all right. We got another question. Shasha, hit it. This question is from Maya. How do you keep an 11 month old baby distracted long enough to change her diaper and or clothes? I think there's a second half to that question too. How bad is it to let her hold my phone for a minute when toys don't hold her attention? Shasha, thank you. The question is, we got an 11 month old baby. You got to change the diaper. You got to change the clothes. Babies hate that. They wiggle, they wriggle, they jiggle like a bowl full of jelly. Can you just let them have your phone? The answer is obviously yes. You let them have oh, your phone. Oh, don't give them your phone. No, 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 no. Then they put it in their mouth and then your phone will stop working. That's why you put I your mean, phone really in, know. obviously, in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> I think, though, you should Clean go with something. Yeah, you should. But it's not that. It's that their slobber gets into the mic. I'm speaking from experience here. The slobber gets into oh. the microphone, <laughs> and then your phone will stop working. <laughs> so I think you have to give them something, like a phone they want because they can't have. So you got to give them something else that they shouldn't have, but that you're offering to them because it's a safer choice. So, like, you know. The diaper a cream. Hammer. No, <laughs> a hammer. Exactly. Another diaper. Um, but I find if you just hand them something like random from the diapering station, they don't want the toy. They they know that's, you know, you're trying to fool them with that. They want something that they otherwise couldn't get. 
we used to keep a thing of those like puffs next to the diaper changing station. And it feels a little weird because it's like you're putting things in while you're changing stuff that came out. But mm. if you just give them something to eat, now I'm sure this has caused like all of my children will probably have all kinds of weird associations with food now, but it worked really well. They ate, they had a little snack while they laid still. It's great. My feeling is that diaper changing and clothes changing 11 months old is so difficult there would have been times when I would, would have willingly sacrificed a phone to just like get that shit done. So if the only thing that works is giving your kid the phone, put some tape over the microphone or the speaker or whatever, put it in a baggie, but give them the phone. You got to do what you got to do because kids, the wiggliest kids make changing diapers or putting on clothes just like such a like literal shit show. Anything you can do to get out of it in my in my estimation is worth it. Put one of those good silicone cases on your phones where it's harder, at least for the drool to reach the mouthpiece, whatever it takes, as long as it's not something they can hurt themselves with, they'll be fine. All right. Before we get to our next question, um, we've had several requests from uh, people in the audience, including people who are who are my neighbors uh, to know what are we drinking this evening? I myself am drinking a, a longboard lager. I'm drinking this instead of what I was going to drink, which was a Paloma, because I had a specific request from Rosie to drink something without ice. She was like, Dan, ice is too clinky and clanky in your glass, and it messes up the podcast reporting, so drink a beer. So I'm drinking a beer, but I may accidentally just occasionally be like, oh, whoops. She said I could have ice, though. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? No, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I um, am having a aviation gin. I know I I recorded myself drinking pre-show and asked her if the ice was a problem, and she said because I don't swivel my glass around and I keep it away from the mic that I was entitled to some ice. <laughs> oh, so the problem is not <laughs> the, the ice. The problem is, <laughs> is my drink behavior. <laughs> yeah, you have bad on-air well, drink it, behavior. It, it, the problem is Elizabeth's willingness to like, I've never been that prepared for anything in my life that she was like, I want to see if I can have light ice in my cup. I was told I couldn't, but I bet I could if I try. Like, that's it's amazing. True. You didn't just say I'm just going to do it. You were like, let's do a test run. Let's do rehearsal. I did. I sent her an ice audio recording. Of you drinking a gin and tonic. Yeah, true. This that's is all true. Amazing. Jamila, that's what are you amazing. drinking? I am drinking out of the entire cup, apparently. Like, I've never had, like, a per I have almost a perfect ring of lipstick. So I've grabbed it from a different angle every time. That's unique. Um, I'm drinking a, some kind of wine, peach wine spritzer situation. And then I poured a bunch of rosé on top of it so it would taste like real wine. I have, like, lots of cocktails, but I was rushing. And I saw the big wine cup, and I was like, put wine in it. And so that's what I did. So unintentional cocktail situation. Uh, really, it's about the wallpaper. Don't even worry yeah, about it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in that glass, but it it blends nicely with the wallpaper behind it, which I think is maybe your secret goal with that drink. Thank you. That was the goal. I did pick a drink to match the wallpaper because I was going to, I usually drink brown liquor, but that would not have looked as nice. All right. We got another question from the crowd. Shasha, hit it. Craig would like to know, what are good video games to play with five-year-olds? He played some Mario Kart and also watched us play Mario 64 and Zelda, my personal favorite. Shasha, we may come back to you for a couple of answers to this one, because I think that you might actually be the biggest gamer among the panelists here. Um, 
My suggestion would be, uh, you know, my kids are a little older, so I haven't played a lot of video games on our current Switch system with them. The Zel- What's the Zelda game that isn't Breath of the Wild, but is like the cubier, goofier Zelda game? Uh, Link's Awakening. We're too young yes, to know, Link's- Dan. Link's Awakening. That's correct. A five-year-old, I think, would enjoy exploring that world, and you probably would play it with them. But uh, I think that they would get a kick out of it. And then, I mean, the obvious answer to me is Smash Brothers, right? Super Smash Brothers, any five-year-old would just enjoy the hell out of the total chaos and insanity of that game. So my, um, all the way. Yeah, my five-year-old really likes the um, Lego Harry Potter game as well. And there's a whole series of those Lego ones if there's one of the like stories that they're familiar with. And I think he likes it because... The story is familiar because we're reading Harry Potter, but also he can accomplish quite a bit of it, um, even on his own. And we can play with him or his brothers can play with him. So those Lego ones have been like kind of right in the in the age zone for our seven and five year old. Jamila, got any suggestions? <laughs> nope, I don't even know how to play video games myself. <laughs> Good thing we got a fill Literally. in for this one. Shasha, what do you have for us for a, for a five year old? Oh man, when I was five, I was playing Yoshi's Island. That was a big one. My brother, who is three years younger than me, it was like a package deal. I would play and he would sit and watch. So my parents were really happy about that. (laughs) Um, And it's great. I would recommend side scroller games. There's like little navigation to be done and you just kind of have to just follow straight down the screen. And that's probably good for a five-year-old with little spatial awareness skills. That's a great idea. Like something like a Breath of the Wild is like, there's so much there. Open world. It might be overwhelming for a five-year-old, but something where you just understand I'm supposed to go right and I jump over things when they come at me, like that seems very doable for most five-year-olds. Shasha, what are you drinking? I am drinking a 2018 Cote du Rhone uh, <laughs> and Gus is drinking water. <laughs> that is delicious. My goodness, you're significantly classier than the rest of us. All right, we have another question in the chat from Matt. If you don't have enough Wi-Fi to go around the whole family, how do you decide between Zoom school and work meetings and between mom and dad who might actually be fighting over this? This is a hard one. The obvious first answer is upgrade your fucking Wi-Fi. But I guess depending on how many kids you have, if you have like an Amy Coney Barrett number of kids, you you may overwhelm any Wi-Fi that you have going. Any Wi-Fi. Any Wi-Fi. So, I mean, the... The first answer I would give is there's almost no work call that has to be a Zoom unless you are the call leader and you're supposed to be sharing your screen with 25 people in your company. Any work call you're supposed to be doing, even if it's on Zoom, you could just do over the phone. That's over the cell network. You're not taxing the Wi-Fi. So I would tend to prioritize the kids' school stuff over your work stuff. Also, if you prioritize your work stuff and the kids can't do their school, they're just going to be up in your grill the whole time you're trying to do your work call anyway. And then you're screwed. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really hard choice. So I, yeah, I mean, I guess my instinct is like, get out a planner and see where everyone's (laughs) things are and who has, you know, I would have like some kind of chart up on the wall and (laughs) figure out, figure this out. But I think it is really hard. I think though, like it's possible you're in some kind of work situation where, like you have to be on this call if that at the at the end of the day like 
if you're going to lose your job because you're not on this call, then that has to be the priority. But otherwise, I agree, you can probably call it in or, at, you know, talk to your boss or whoever about what the situation is. I think people hopefully are being more flexible now, or at least understand the situation mm -hmm. like that. We're all using, you know, the same amount of internet to try to do everything over the computer. Yeah, I hope this is just like a fun question. I mean, it's not fun at all, but I hope this is a, a thought starter question and, you know, not something you're actually going through. But if you are, I mean, I agree, like this, there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had with the school or schools or teacher or teachers. You know, there are some schools where a hot spot can be made available because the student doesn't have strong internet at home, where they may be willing to say provide a school device if you're struggling to get online from a home device. Uh, like Dan said, most Zoom calls you can absolutely do as a phone call as opposed to doing a video call. And I would say as far as the between the mom and dad that might actually be fighting over this, I think the person who is least likely to accidentally trip and fall and land into an affair needs to leave and perhaps access the Wi-Fi at a local fast food restaurant parking lot or in a coffee shop. And I'm not kidding. You know, uh, I mean, I was kidding about the affair part, but I mean, I have certainly had to take my laptop and go somewhere in the past, right? I, I think we've all had, you know, especially if you've been on the internet as long as some of us, you know, have been, you may have had to sit outside of somewhere that had a Wi-Fi to access their Wi-Fi without purchasing anything, without being able to go inside or whatever it is, you're gonna have to find some better Wi-Fi. And if it's between mom and dad and, and you know, who gets the Wi-Fi and who doesn't, you also might need to think about whose, you know, job is most urgent, whose needs to be protected most. But again, I think the conversation, I, I agree with my colleagues that conversations with teachers and supervisors need to be had because the situation needs to be adjusted. And for you all to learn and to work, you need better Wi-Fi. And I think both of those institutions should support you in getting better Wi-Fi. All right, great answers. We've got another question. Catherine asks, we have tried to raise our two and a half year old daughter without traditional gender norms, colors, princesses, etc. She's decided on her own that purple and pink are her favorite colors, which is great. My mother-in-law has taken this newfound preference for purple and pink as an excuse to start doing hair, fake makeup, jewelry, etc. with her because she likes it. How do I diplomatically ask her not to without hurting her feelings? Or am I thinking too much about it? You know, I won't say you're thinking too much. I'm just gonna say you're thinking the wrong things. <laughs> this is very similar to, your, your thoughts are wrong, okay? This is very similar to a question that we received at Karen Feeding a few weeks ago uh, with a family that was, you know, set of parents are trying to raise their child gender neutral and the child, you know, quote unquote, or, or to wear gender, excuse me, they did not say that they wanted the child to identify as gender neutral, but they would dress them in gender, you know, her in gender neutral clothing um, and, you know, expose her to, you know, what they described to be gender neutral toys and activities. And they were disturbed that she was taking a liking to pink and puppy dresses, right? And they were bothered by that. And I feel like what I'm hearing here is a negative connotation being assigned to things that are coded as traditionally feminine. And I don't know if that's what you're intending to do, but so often what we talk about as, as, or what we describe to be gender neutral clothing or gender neutral toys are things that are typically uh, marketed toward boys, right? Like, or, or that would be coded as masculine. There's nothing wrong with femininity. 
right? Or, or what we describe as femininity. The problem is the idea that, you know, somebody who identifies as a woman is thought and some by, you know, by many people to have to behave in a certain way, right? That you, to be a girl, you must dress this way. Only girls can wear pink. Only girls can play with dolls. Girls must play with dolls. Girls must play, you know, wear pink. None of those things are true, but there's nothing wrong with a girl loving pink and purple. There's nothing wrong with a boy loving it either. But I wonder if this were, you know, your girl taking an interest in things that were coded as masculine, would you be as bothered as you are by the idea of, you know, a child that you wanted to embrace a gender neutral take on the world, finding things that are relating to her assigned gender to be okay? This doesn't mean she won't be progressive. This doesn't mean she won't be feminist. It doesn't mean that she's going to spend her life as a damsel in distress waiting for her prince to come and rescue her. You know, this doesn't mean that she's going to, you know, suffer from internalized misogyny. She likes pink and purple and she's a little girl and that's completely fine. That's totally okay. I feel like part of it too, though, is about the behavior of the mother-in-law and like her taking mm-hmm. this. I, I totally agree with you about pink and purple. Like, I think the purpose of teaching, you know, people to be gender neutral in a sense is to like, let us all have choices. And sometimes we're going to make choices that are in line with a particular stereotype. And I think that's fine. But is this mother-in-law like overstepping that? I guess I feel like as long as what you're presenting other times is not always the, you know, praise for prepping or how you look or anything like that, then it's totally fine. And this is something that they're doing with your mother-in-law and it's fun if she enjoys it, right? It's about giving her the opportunity. Like if this is the activity that you do with your mother-in-law or with your grandma, right? And you love that, then that in and of itself might be okay to do. Like that's what your grandmother is sharing with you. Um, And I agree with Jamila in the fact that like, if she enjoys it, then you should let her do it. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. And it sounds like you're probably presenting lots of images of really fierce women as well. It's not all about just the be a damsel in distress and and look pretty and read these princess stories, right? Like you're giving her a bigger picture of that. So I think if it's something she's enjoying, now if it's like something that she starts to not enjoy and your mother-in-law is doing it anyway, that's a whole different thing, I think. Right. Right. And we don't know the answer to that. We don't know really how the kid is feeling about yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, she's With little. the caveat that it's really hard to get a child that age to do anything that she has absolutely zero interest in. And yeah. most likely the kid is responding to like attention and particular care given to her by her grandmother in these moments. I relate to this question a little bit, you know, because I, you know, I do think that there, for some parents of girls, it can be really frustrating to see them sort of sucked into um, a certain mode of gender presentation that feels so overwhelming in our culture. And I don't think it necessarily has to do with thinking that pink and purple are bad or that girly things are bad so much as it so often feels like it's the only real option for self-presentation that American culture gives little girls. And so a lot of parents, us included, when our kids were little, pushed against that, not necessarily because we had any problem with it if it was in the end what she truly wanted, but because it felt like everyone around her who wasn't us was pushing this particular mode of expression on her. 
And that drove us a little bit crazy. So I definitely relate to that. What I would say though, is that I think that Jamila is right that you should, it is okay to step back and not make a bunch of assumptions about what this means for who your child is now or is eventually going to be. And if this thing is a thing that she shares with her grandmother, it also potentially has the benefit of sort of taking this particular mode of play off your plate. This doesn't have to be the thing that you have to do with your daughter anymore. This is the thing that she does with grandma. She does fun pretend princess play with grandma. She does her hair endlessly with grandma. And you can like leave all that shit aside if that's not your thing. And you can find other things to do with her. I think that's great advice. Like even if she wants to engage in that, you can say like, oh, that's something fun. Like let's save that to do with grandma. Um, And Dan, also you you have a child that like loves makeup and playing with makeup and is also like a super strong, like, Harper is not any of the things that I think this person is worrying about. I'm going to give a live report from Harper's softball game that she left for while I started recording this. I just received a text from Alia that Harper hit a double on a full count with the bases loaded and drove two runs in. Jamila, I'm sorry, you were going to say something about this question. It wasn't just me bragging about my daughter. I don't know what any of those things mean, but they sound very good. (laughs) So congratulations to Harper. I just, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, hi, I am actually a princess in real life and I am hardcore, you know, like there are so many ways to be a girly girl. I understand what you're saying, Dan, about like it can be overwhelming or just kind of, you know, disconcerting that there's one presentation that is, you know, pitched or, or, you know, or for many years that was pitched toward young American girls. And this is how girls should behave and what they should be interested in. And you know, and, and to see your child kind of fall in line with that can be, you know, jarring. And I can imagine that being the same experience if you all were raising boys, right? If they only wanted Nerf guns and, and violence and, you know, really aggressive play. But I think that the difference on some level with some of these stereotypically feminine things that, like, unless we're talking about identifying as a damsel in distress, you know, or a mean girl or somebody who's, you know, wholly consumed by how she looks to the point of being superficial and vapid, that traditionally feminine stuff isn't necessarily as bad for girls at times in the way that, you know, traditionally masculine things can be. And I also think that we are like really comfortable with watching girls explore things that are typically, you know, coded as male. We're not as comfortable with allowing boys to explore those things. This is a longstanding feminist argument, right? That like when women appear, you know, to, to fit the stereotype of womanhood or femininity, uh, that doesn't mean that that their identity is entirely anti-feminist or by definition anti-feminist, right? There's a lot of ways to be a person and you know, if she wants to be a pink and purple, you know, wearing frilly dressed, you know, girl, again, like, uh, if you're saying this is somebody who completely refuses to learn sight words or engage with reading, because she's like, I only play with dolls. You know, if she's saying I'm not interested uh, in anything that begs me to have some level of autonomy or, or, you know, self-motivation that I'm just sitting around just waiting for the world to happen to me, then that's different. But you know, let her and grandma, listen, I am the queen of that's for that house. So there are things that Naima does with my mother that I have no interest in, you know, slime and Play-Doh and things like that. I'm very sensitive to the smell. So they're banned from my house. Those are daddy's house things. You know, a lot of stuff, most science projects are daddy's house things. That's totally fine. If that's a grandma's house thing, that's fine. But the thing, the difference being, 
slime was not my child's definitive thing, right? So it was very easy for me to ban slime because it wasn't taking over her life. You know, if, if I were to say no Barbies or no dolls, there'd be a different conversation. So if the pink and the purple and the fluffy is so much a, a part of who she is that you can't just leave it at grandma's house, think about ways to, you know, bend it a little bit that may work for you all, right? Like pink and purple sneakers, you know, and, and track suits and wearing pink and purple to go play basketball and exposing her to other things. You know, let her see that there are girls that subvert gender in so many ways. You know, like it's not about, you know, you can be a girly girl or a masculine girl. It's fine. Like there are girls that check off all of those boxes. And, you know, it'd be really cool. Like we I think we talked about this when Abby Wambach was on the show. But like girls sports, I think, is a really great women's sports is a really great way to expose kids to women that do not meet traditional feminine norms. And those who do, right? Like the, some that are, their presentation and their mannerisms are super high femme and they're athletes. And then you have some that are not high femme and they're also women athletes and they're all together and they're playing and your child just needs to know they have options. That's really good advice. We're going to take one more audience question. Shasha, hit it. This question is from Stacy. My kids are seven, five, and three, and my husband works long hours now from home. How do you get through the monotonous aspects of parenting? Sometimes I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. Feed the kids, do the dishes, pick up the house, wash the laundry, avoid putting away laundry. Repeat, the pandemic is only amplifying this feeling. Excellent. Classic Shasha Leonard performance on that question, delivering a lot of pathos. Thank you, Shasha. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. Hey, Shasha. Um, that's like the defining question of the year 2020 for a lot of parents, right? There's, there's, I feel like my 2020 and that of every parent I know has been evenly split between total panic in the moments where your plans are falling apart or your work is falling apart or you think you're sick or your kids are sick or someone you love is sick and total monotony when the day-to-day -day grind never changes and you never get out of your house and do anything. And it just feels like overwhelming. And so, I mean, the first thing I'd say to Stacy is you're not alone in this. This is basically how everyone feels right now. The housework related drudgery aspect of is, is how everyone has felt about housework since the dawn of time. So you're definitely not alone in this. And it's hard to sort of jam in advice that is going to change this situation for you, other than for me, at least to just say, to do your best to let the things go that you don't actually need to do and to change the things that you do and give yourself something else in each day that feels in some way different than what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, even if it's something as stupid and simple as taking a walk or doing yoga or escaping your children in the house for a while or reading a book or using your vibrator or whatever. I don't care. Like find something that is not, the day-to-day -day ritual and like use that and get the hell out of there for 10 minutes, whether it's physically or mentally out of that space. What do you guys have to say? I think you're right in just like lowering your expectations and really taking a look at the things that are really like the stuff that just you really don't want to do and is really the worst. And how do you offload that? Or how do you offload other stuff so that that's not so bad? And if that means like, the laundry is the problem and it's the putting away of the laundry, then like change up how, like nobody's coming to your house 
do like piles somewhere where people get their clothes. Like I'm serious. There are ways to just take away the things that are the worst things and whatever you have to do to do that, do it. And I think also prioritize the things that are most important to you. And if that means sitting down and saying, like Dan said, every day I need to take a walk or every day, you know, my husband's not home. I need an hour of quiet time and the kids are going to watch an hour of TV or the kids are going to do this thing that, you know, above and beyond what we were already doing that you would otherwise feel bad about and then just don't feel bad about it. Whatever that is, even if it's like, I'm going to sit and text for 20 minutes and the kids are going to play on the iPad or I'm going to, you know, ignore them and say, I need 20 minutes. That is all okay. And I, I think that's what you have to do now. And I personally take a lot of solace and like nobody's coming to my house. So the things that I used to be worried about at the house, I'm just not worried about as much. I really have very little to add, but you know, what, what you guys said, taking that time that's just for you, that may feel selfish, that may literally be like, you may be closing the door on a kid who's still talking and just saying like, I'll be back in 20 minutes and I'll deal with it then. Taking that time to, you know, to, to pleasure yourself, to have a drink, to read a couple chapters from a juicy book. Also making sure that you're extending the same to your children, right? So it's like, you know, that you have to snatch that time where all bets are off and the rules of good parenting, you know, maybe they don't apply here. And that, of course, it doesn't mean that you're putting your kids in danger or neglecting them, but that like you at your best self might not take that 20 minutes at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday under normal circumstances, right? You might not, you might be able to wait until the kids are asleep to, to have a personal moment. Right now, you just might have to take it at four o'clock in the afternoon to get through the rest of the day. That's fine. But understand that your kids are also under, you know, the same sort of, uh, maybe not the same sort of stress, but they're suffering from uh, these changes as we all are. They are suffering from, uh, or I should say they're not suffering from, but they are reacting to what you're putting out. They're seeing the anxiety and the frustration and, and the confusion in their parents and that's making things harder for them. So you know, if you would have naturally turned off the screen at a certain time, because it's the right time to turn off the screen, it's okay to give them a little bit more screen time that can give you some time to have your solo moment, right? But it's also extending some grace to them because you're knowing, you know that you're going through it too. Like, none of us are happy. This is terrible. Everything sucks. You're not alone. Everyone is failing at this. And we're not failing, I should say. I have to stop saying that. As Naima says, words have power. We are succeeding because we are still here. We are making it. We are winning. Words matter, everyone. Naima has taught us <laughs> that, if, if, if not anything else. Longtime listeners will recall that my family for three years just retrieved all their socks from a big bin in the basement, and no one ever was harmed as a result mm -hmm. of that. And your family could do that, too. Uh, I hope this is helpful to you. Thank you all for these amazing questions. It was really fun to answer them live and on the air. If we didn't get your question, we're really sorry. If you're tuning into this after we've streamed, we're really sorry. But good news, you can still send us that question, and we can still consider it on a future show. Email us at slate.com, Post it in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Who knows? We could pick it for a future show. Shasha could read it, although uh, Gus maybe won't be on the screen while she does. All right, before we wrap up, we're going to do some lightning round recommendations, fast recommendations. Elizabeth, what do you got? I am recommending the Aerobe Frisbee. <laughs> it goes really far. It's easy for the kids to catch. We've just had a great time with ours. Don't bother with the triangle one. It like acts like a boomerang and it's been a nightmare, but the two circle ones have been amazing. So the Aerobe Frisbee. Wow, throwback from when I was 12 and aerobies <laughs> were invented and everyone was like, they've changed the game. Uh, Jamila, <laughs> what do you have? 
you want a juicy book that you want to read while you're hiding from your kids, The Meaning of Mariah Carey, this is somebody who knows how to be a celebrity. Okay, the most fascinating <laughs> celebrity in the world, Mariah Carey, literally a princess on earth. Shout out to Michaela Angela Davis, who co-authored the book with Mariah Carey. And she is my mentor, who essentially put me in the game as a writer and did so much for me early in my career. And so I'm so happy that she's having this moment. Such a great book, The Meaning of Mariah Carey. Lots of fun read. Lots of fun to read and a lot of heartbreak and, and context as to why she is the most fascinating celebrity, perhaps, in the world. That's like the perfect book for that last letter writer to be dipping into a chapter every day to like escape from her current situation. Uh, I'm like, name of what? (laughs) See, in my house, when we do that, we call it quiet reading time. I'm like, mom's doing quiet reading time. Grab a book. (laughs) Yeah. Get copies for every person in your house. Everyone reads the Mariah Carey book. (laughs) Um, I'm recommending, uh, first of all, for the very kind viewer who asked what's on my hat, uh, it, this is a Daily Tar Heel hat that is a student newspaper at the University of North Carolina, my alma mater. So my first recommendation is support student journalism. Um, uh, Alahe Zadi in the Washington Post had a great piece a couple of weeks ago about how student journalists are breaking some of the biggest stories of the last few years of the COVID and the Trump era. Mm-hmm. Student journalists at the Daily Tar Heel broke stories, a story after story about the Silent Sam debacle and the way the UNC administration handled that. They're breaking stories about COVID on campus and they're young people doing incredible work and they're worth supporting. You can always Find the student newspaper at your alma mater or at a local college and send them some cash because they fucking need it. My other recommendation is for a movie that's coming to Amazon Prime this weekend. It's What the Constitution Means to Me. It's Heidi Schreck's uh, off-Broadway and Broadway show about her experience as a teenager talking about and debating the Constitution in rural Washington, uh, in a very conservative community in rural Washington, and her and her late-life realization that the Constitution doesn't offer as much to all the people she loves, including herself, as she once thought it, it would. It's a really remarkable piece of theater turned into a remarkable movie. We watched it with both our kids this week. They both, I think, got a lot out of it, a lot to think about and a lot to laugh about and a little bit of crying too. It's very powerful, really, really good. Um, I couldn't recommend it more highly. All right, that is our show. Thank you all for joining us one more time. If you got a question, email us at slate.com. post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. You can find that by searching for Slate Parenting on facebook.com. If you're a new listener, hey, Please subscribe to our fucking podcast. Jamila's phone is blowing up with people who want to know how can we hear more of this podcast? And the answer is subscribe. Just look for mom and dad are fighting wherever you get your podcast while you're there. Rate and review us. It really helps people find the show. Finally, if you enjoyed tonight, tune in next week, Thursday for Jamila's show. The kids are asleep. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Don't miss it. Mom and dad are fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. A massive thank you to Faith Smith and Britt Bully for going through those questions and making this magical show happen. Without them, none of this would be possible. Extra special apologies to Britt if I mispronounced her name. Extra special triple thanks to Shasha Leonard, the inimitable, the fabulous. Quadruple thanks to Gus, the world's greatest bird. For Jamil Lemieux, for Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Dan Coyce. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, everyone, freeze on your screens. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.